of the nature of God. And I'm actually drawing this from a book by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy One. If you haven't read that book, this is a Christian classic, I would highly recommend to you. And one of the stunning statements he makes in the opening chapters of that is this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about you. That's quite a statement. What we comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about you. So what he's really saying there is it's very important to have an accurate perception of God, not just a God you make up in your mind. Now, so if I was to ask you this morning, start the question uh, today by asking a question, where is God? How would you answer that? Where is God? Well, some would say he's in heaven. Hmm? And some would say, no, 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 he's in my heart. Now, and some even believe that actually when you go to a, a, a sacred space, like a church building, that's where God dwells in church buildings. Some people think that. Friends, that is not accurate. The Bible says that God is present everywhere at once. And David says in Psalm 139, if you have your Bibles, we cannot escape God's presence. In verse 7, it says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? This is what we're talking about this morning. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and will hold me fast. There is nowhere that we can be without the presence of God. Now, it's amazing to think to me, it's a bit mind-blowing, that God never has to go anywhere because he's already there. The Bible also says that God is everywhere here in Jeremiah 23, 24. And the Good News Version I'm reading from. I am a God, he's self-describing here, who is everywhere and not in one place. Do you not know that I am everywhere in heaven and on earth? So in other words, there's no point, no atom in the universe where God is not there. And what we're talking about is what theologians called omnipresence. Omnipresence. Omni means everywhere, and present is present everywhere. That's what theologians call that. And it simply means that God is everywhere. That means that he's not limited like you and I are by time or space. He's not confined to one location. And that's a really hard concept sometimes for us to get our minds around because we are finite people with a body. I don't know about you. We had four kids. And often I wished I could have been in two places at one time. The rugby match and the soccer match and the rugby league. And it's just, you can't be in two places at once. But it's no problem to God because God is a spirit. Never forget that. God is a spirit. And so he can be in many places at the same time as everywhere. Now, that does not mean that God is everything. That is an error called pantheism. 
God is not everything. Do not confuse the creator with his creation. Two different things. He, the creator, is greater than the creation, minor. So in theism, God made the world, but in pantheism, God is the world. Wrong. Flat wrong. Acts 17, 28. He is not far from us, for in him we live and move and have our being. That's saying you can't move apart from God. You wouldn't exist without God because God holds everything together. He is the cohesive force of the universe. He holds everything together. The fact is, though, God is always with me, but the problem is I don't always recognize that fact. That's my problem, and yours too. I, like you, need to be aware of him. Now, likewise, God is with you all week, not just on Sunday, or when you go to a small group, or just when you're reading your Bible. If you can learn to tune into the presence of God, though, it will enormously benefit your life. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. How does this God's everywhere help me? What does it mean to me? And it's because sometimes just a bald statement, God is everywhere, some people say, okay, so what? I'm going to try and answer that today in four ways. So what in four areas? What difference does that fact make in my life. So I want to deal with some of the implications of that fact that God is everywhere. Four common experiences I'm going to talk about in life. Specifically, what does that mean to me when I am lonely? What does it mean to me when I'm worried? What does it mean when I'm tempted? And what does it mean when I'm discouraged? So God's presence in your life will make a difference in these four areas, if you let them. So number one, when I'm lonely, the Bible affirms that God is my companion. When I'm lonely. Now I need to remind myself that God is my constant companion. You can't get alone and away from God. He's with you all the time. Psalm 25 verse 16 says this, Turn to me, Lord, and be merciful because I am lonely. Many of you in this room know what it's like to be lonely. Some of you may even be lonely right now. And maybe that was because, like this week, my brother's father-in-law died. It's probably about the best way to say it. The death, though, left his spouse feeling shocked, and alone. Some of you know what that feels like. Then there's the loneliness for others of a new school where everybody seems to know everybody but not you. There's another type of loneliness sometimes that can creep into people's minds and hearts and that's the loneliness of growing old. Or sometimes you can be even with other people even in a marriage and you may feel that your husband doesn't listen to you. There's a loneliness of feeling not understood. There can also be loneliness at the other end of it in success. Sometimes life is lonely at the top, believe it or not. There are many kinds of loneliness, but the fact is that in your life from time to time, you will feel lonely. Jesus felt lonely even when he was 
abandoned by his disciples. Do you know what? You can even be lonely in a crowd. And one of the first things God created, after God created the world, God looked and he said, hmm, it is not good for man to be alone. And God doesn't want you to be alone. But it's something that every single person listening to this will face at some stage in their life. So what do you do? What do you do when you have those moments of loneliness that you can't do anything about? I'll tell you what you do. The first thing you do, first thing I do, is I recognize God's presence. That is my companion. Hebrews 13.5. How do I know that? Because Hebrews 13.5 says, God has said, never will I leave you or my dad left me. He did. And my mum left me in another sense because she went to be in heaven. People will go out of your lives. But Jesus says, and God says here, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So if you're a Christian, Jesus Christ and his Father are your cons- and the Holy Spirit are your constant companion. See, Jesus even calls us his friends. That's what it says there in that scripture. Jesus says, I call you my friends. So he's a friend that knows more about you, this is the cool thing, than you even know about yourself. He knows more about you than you do. So most of us, when we're facing a challenge, we like to have somebody with us, you know, kind of like support. Remember the first day you went to school? Some kids want their parents to go with them. We kind of like to have reinforcements, especially when their back's against a wall. So when I'm lonely, and you may not be now, but the time will come in your life where you will feel isolated and alone. You need to remember at exactly that point that God is your constant companion because he says, I will always be with you. He will never leave you. People uh, will be fickle in your life. They'll come in and they'll go out and they'll say, I promise, and they won't. Forever, and it's not. He is the one and only. No man will ever love you like Jesus Christ. And no woman will will ever love you also like Jesus Christ if you're a male. The Bible says when David got lonely. David, this is a man after God's hope, but he got lonely. He had a relationship with God, but sometimes he forgot it, and then he got lonely. Look what he says. Psalm 16.1. Your presence. Here it is. Recognizing that presence. Recognizing it. Your presence fills me with joy. So that's the benefit of recognizing God's presence. David said recognizing God's presence cheered him up. It brought a smile to his face and it made him and it will make you feel better when you recognize his presence. So the first benefit of God's presence in my life when I'm lonely is this. God's presence cheers me up. And that's a good one. He's faithful when people are fickle. Number two, when I'm worried, some of you in this room right now are feeling worried. Some of you aren't. You feel unconfident. But trust me, that'll go. And over time, the next thing you'll find somewhere down in your life 
you'll find yourself in a place where sometimes you're worried. When you're in that spot, then you need to know that God is your confidence. Not in you, not in your clever engineering of circumstances, but in God. Isaiah 42 says this, when you go through deep waters, in other words, you can't find your feet, and great troubles. Anybody been through that? Great troubles. When you go through, not escape them, when you go through, when you go through rivers of difficulty, not just a stream, a blooming river, which takes you off your feet as well, you lose your bearings. He says, relax, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of affliction and hardship and stinging oppression, you won't be burned up. Which reminds me, of course, of the three Hebrew children, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you ever need to remember how to remember those names, if you ever want to, teach your kids. It's quite easy. It's shake the bed, make the bed, and into bed you go. Easy way to remember it. Shake the bed, make the bed, and into bed you go. So some of you are going through difficulty even this week. You know what it is? Because none of us can predict problems. They just come in life. But one thing we can be certain of is this, that it's God is going through it with you. Because God is with you. He's not somewhere miles away, distant. So when I'm worried, God is my confidence. God told Moses one day, hey, Buster, you're going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the land which are promised. And what did Moses do? The first thing he said, uh, uh, excuses. Well, God, I can't do that. I'm nothing. I'm not qualified. I'm insecure. I don't know what I'm doing. He's all those excuses. And God gives one Response to all of those excuses. And he just says this, hey, chill, I'll be with you. That's what he says, I'll be with you. My presence shall go with you. Isn't that enough? Well, of course it is. I will be your confidence. It's not in you. It's not in me. It's in God. So when I'm lonely, God is my companion. But when I'm worried, God is my confidence. If you're lacking confidence this morning, let it be in God. Are you always aware of God's presence? If you were, look at what the results would be. Last part of this verse of Psalm 16. He is near. When I know that, nothing can shake me. And I'm so thankful and I'm glad and I feel completely, what's that last word? Secure. If you're insecure, it, you're not sensing the presence of God. If you sense the presence of God, you will feel secure. Let me say that again. If you are feeling insecure, focus on God and put your confidence in Him and your security will rise. Here's the second benefit. So when I'm lonely, remember that was the first one. What happens? God cheers me up when I focus on his presence. Second benefit. When I'm worried, God's presence calms me down. And he gives me, I love this word, stability. 
I have confidence because I know that he's with me and I can handle anything, even death. Even death. Psalm 23 verse 4. That's what the psalmist says here. Even though I walk through the shadow of death, things are pretty bleak and dark. I will fear no evil. Why? How does that work? Here it is. For you're with me. Back to God's presence, his omnipresence. Now, that kind of confidence does not come from psyching yourself up in some sort of psychobabble. It comes from knowing God is with me. And there's nowhere I can go from his presence all the time. He says, nothing can shake me. I am completely secure. So when I'm lonely, I have a companion. When I'm worried, I have confidence. Number three, when I am tempted, God is my counselor when I recognize his presence. Oh, he'll counsel you, all right. He promises to. He's ready to help me make it through the temptation. He promises that. Nobody can ever say, oh, 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 I had to do this. Nobody can legitimately ever claim that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. That there is a very encouraging verse. When God is with you and you're tempted, he's your counselor. And he will always, that verse says right there, look at it. He will always provide a way out, a way of escape, some versions say. So you can stand up under that, tempta under that temptation. So that verse is saying there, all of us in this room and listening online are tempted. The temptation has come to us all. And we all have the same problems. Then it says, realize that when I'm being tempted, God is right there with me. Now, that right there for me is a motivation to not give in. Do you tend to stand stronger when you know somebody's watching you? Huh? I don't want to be sin and unfaithful right there in front of God. But if I get his presence, if I forget that, well, that restraint goes. The solution for temptation is found in a close relationship with the Father and a constant response to his word. So the benefits of God's presence is not only that he cheers me up and he calms me down, but he also helps me out. He helps me out. That's great. And he knows exactly the struggle that's going on in my mind. He's prepared an escape route. Nobody can ever say there was no escape route. That would be to contradict God. He always provides a way of escape. So it's not just my willpower, but it's his power, and he's promised to help me. That is very good news. 
So when I'm tempted, he is my counselor. He gives me advice and shows me what I need to do. And he promises to help me out. No matter what temptation I face this week, God is with me. Job 13, 27. You, God, keep a close watch on all of my paths. Circle the word close. It's not a vague There's great specificity in that. Even the words that come out of my mouth, he knows every single one of those. Last week, we talked about the word omniscience, that God knows everything. And he knows everything because he's everywhere. God is an eyewitness to every single thing that I do. So, yeah, when you're alone in the car going to work, no, you're not. God is in that car with you. And he listens to the conversations that you have about that driver next door. He's at the office when you are there. And that person's bugging the heck out of you. And being unreasonable. He's at home. When we're having conversations in our home. With those that sometimes rub us up the wrong way. Even though we love them the most. Psalm 139 verse 11 says this. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. And the light of the night becomes night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. For the night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. Now a lot of things I've noticed go on at night that don't go on during the day. Because many people think those things are hidden. But I've got to tell you something. God has night vision. Nothing that's done in the darkness will not will be hidden. It will be exposed. And it is exposed to his eyes. Now the Bible also says something interesting. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Remember, the Bible says God sees everything. He can see through that darkness, that facade. And again, have you noticed how much easier it is to control yourself when other people are watching? When I'm aware of God's presence, it helps me maintain more control over my attitudes, my words, and my deeds. I'm more alert to the things I say. When I'm tempted, he's my counselor. He says, I'll make a way of escape. I'll help you control that anger if you'll just recognize my presence. The Bible says that everything I say, I'm going to have to give an account for. So therefore, it puts a desire within me to want to be more careful when I realize his presence is with me at all times. Fourth, in this section, when I am discouraged, God 
is my comforter. He's my comforter. Now you may not be discouraged right this second, but someone that you know is right now. We just need to look a little around us. Psalm 34, verse 18. In the Good News Version, it says, The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. And he saves those who have lost all hope. Circle the word near there in that verse. So if you're discouraged, one thing you can say with all confidence based on that verse, you reverse engineer it, and it literally means that if you're discouraged, God is with you because he's near to those who are discouraged. The Living Bible puts it this way. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I've been so brokenhearted, sometimes I could hardly breathe. Is your heart breaking this morning? Because of some disappointment, or some loss, some problem, or some intractable problem. The Lord is near you, and he feels your discouragement. Some of you may be going through such water, rough water, that you're thinking about throwing in the towel. You know, I'm going to chuck this business. I'm going to chuck this marriage. <laughs> All these kids. You may be ready to give up, whatever it is. But God is going through it with you, and you are not alone because he's everywhere. His presence is there because, and he wants to be your comforter. God is not some sort of impersonal force out there. He's not some far-off power in the universe. He's personal, and he's right there with you. Jesus said in John 14, The Father will send you a comforter who will never leave you. Never leave you. And he, that he's talking about there, was the Holy Spirit. So no matter what you're going through this next week, God will be with you through it. And the great news is, he's never too busy to listen. He's sympathetic to the stress that you're feeling. Now some of you listening to this, thinking, maybe thinking of this as kind of like an intellectual fact. Okay, God is with me. And you're filling your mind with that. That's not a bad thing. Others of you are thinking of it from an experience. You know what I'm talking about. You've been through some deep waters. And you've felt God's presence in your life. And he has comforted you. He's given you strength and encouragement to keep on going on. Friends, God encourages the discouraged. Now, I see all sorts of people that have different reactions to different crises that come into their lives. You know, when I see people at funerals or in the hospital, I spent three days in ED this week, or the crises that nobody can predict or can plan. Now, frankly, I don't know how some people make it through without the Lord. What I've noticed is they don't seem to get over things as quickly as people who rely on the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And he's there to encourage them. Psalm 116 verse 8 says, The Lord stopped my tears and kept me from defeat. So, here it is, I walk in the presence of the Lord. Are you walking in the presence of the Lord tomorrow in your office with those children? I kept on believing even when they said, I am completely crushed. 
Anybody know what that feels like? And even when I was afraid and said, no one can be trusted, I kept walking in the presence of the Lord. Now that verse is applied to my life many times. When I've been so discouraged, when the presence of God, without it, I wouldn't have ever made it through. So, let's summarize this part. The presence of God not only cheers me up when I'm lonely, and boy, has it done that. He's done that. Lifted my chin up. He calms me down when I'm worried. He puts perspective in this. And boy, we need that. Especially if the panic button's up there. And he helps me out when I'm tempted. I have been literally, as you have been, at the literal why in temptation. I can go that way or I can go that way. And if I pause and stop for two seconds, there's never been a time in my life when God has not provided a way for me to escape that. And if I'm conscious of his presence, I will always choose the right road. And the point is here, is when I'm discouraged, God sees me through. That is a yay and amen. Since I've been a young teenager to this day and on into eternity. He gives me the motivation to keep going. He renews your strength, which does dwindle. It does dwindle, but yet he can give you the strength to carry on. And his presence lifts up a heavy heart and he gives you a new vision of him. So that's what God's presence can do. But you have to tune in. The key is to keep on keeping on. To overcoming discouragement is the phrase on that verse there, I walk in the presence of the Lord. That is a key. So how do you do that? How do you walk in that sense of the presence of the Lord? That God is present all around us, but often we are totally unaware of it. How do you do that? So to know Christ's presence within you, there are a few things here that have pointed practical areas. Number one, this is base ground number one. You can't get off the ground without this. You have to accept Jesus Christ as Lord in your life if you haven't already done that. You've got to. You won't sense his presence otherwise. God is around you and God is by you. But he put his spirit inside you so you can handle the stress on the outside of this world. Now I've noticed whenever people get under pressure, they begin to fill themselves with things to try and equalize the pressure on the outside. Things like food. Things like drugs. Things like alcohol. Yet the Bible really clearly says, and I'm putting it in your outline, I don't think, Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So don't spend your time relying on alcohol to try and lift your mood. That's the wrong way to do it. That's straight from the Scriptures. But instead, be filled with the presence of His Spirit. So instead of being filled with spirits, be filled with His Spirit. And that's the starting point, is to invite Jesus Christ into your life to be the Lord of your life. And the Bible says that's what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He's made it possible for us to come into God's presence with freedom and confidence. Look at this, Ephesians 3.12. In him... Through faith in him, we may approach God, beautiful words, with freedom and confidence. Great verse. 
Second, to recognize Christ's presence within us, be quiet. Many people never sense God's presence because they are too busy and too noisy. They're too distracted. Too much noise. They've always got, they jump in the car first thing in the morning. Wang, wang, doosh, hit the radio. Some inane advert selling whack and forget. What the heck? You've forgotten God. <laughs> Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Hurry is the great enemy of your spiritual life. Let me just say it again. Hurry is the great enemy of your spiritual life. You must ruthlessly in eliminate hurry from your life. Or it will drive you to death. So focus on God's presence and tune out the environment around you. And as you tune into him, you'll begin to be aware of his presence. Then just say, God, I realize that you're present now. And you'll sense that drawing of his spirit and that, that yeah, his presence. Third, to recognize God's presence in my life, I need to live a holy life. James 4.8 speaks of our daily relationship with God. Daily relationship. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And he's talking about our experiential knowing him and progressively becoming more like his son. So how do you draw near to God daily? The last 8b provides the answer to that. Here it is. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Cleanse your hands means stop doing evil. You want to sense God's presence? Stop doing evil. Be ye perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. Purify our actions and our behaviors. Friends, the way we live matters to God. The way we live and then it says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's a call for purity in thoughts and motives. We cannot be double-minded trying to love God and love the world. Not going to work. Delusional. Purity of heart implies a single-mindedness. Not a double-mindedness or, a sh listen here carefully, a shrinking back. Some of you in this room are married. Some of you have girlfriends and boyfriends. And you know what it feels like if all of a sudden you're in a relationship and you suddenly start to sense somebody's shrinking back from me and withdrawing because they are focused on other things. Hebrews 10.37 says, For yet in a little while, the coming one, this is our saviour, will come and will not delay at the exact time he's coming. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So, to make sure you heed this warning 
this morning. I'm going to put just three or four questions up here, which I have not put on your outline. And you may want to ask yourselves some probing questions. Don't just listen to them. Think about these questions and mull them over in your minds. And let the Holy Spirit use them to search your innermost attitudes and direct your outward actions. The first one is quite confronting. Where am I going in my spiritual life? You may know where you're going in your educational life. You may know where you're going in your financial life. You may know where you're going in your family life, but do you know where you're going in your spiritual life? Or is it very vague and nebulous? Here's another good question. Am I drawing nearer to God as the scriptures encourage, or am I drifting away from Him? Am I drawing nearer, or am I drifting away? And by remember, when you drift, most of the time, it's very impercept- almost imperceptible. But you wake up and, whoa, the rocks are just there. And then it's a shipwreck. Here's a really interesting probing question. Am I standing firm in my confession of my faith, or am I shrinking back towards destruction? Am I an ambassador, an ambassador for the values of the kingdom of God? Clearly. By the way, when you find some foreign ambassador who represents the values of the kingdom, but he represents as an ambassador in a foreign country, he's often getting stick for the values that his country, whilst he's in a foreign country. Don't be surprised about that. Stand up for the kingdom's values. We talked about that three or four weeks ago. Next one, am I gathering frequently with God's people or am I forsaking the assembly together of God's people? Is it a casual affair or are you married? Because this is Christ's bride and I'm sold, I'm married to her. Nobody else, single-minded, lift her up. Do what you can with the gifts you have to build his bride up. That will bless his heart. Last question here. Am I actively stimulating my fellow believers to love and good works? Or am I hindering that by the way I live my life? By the way I walk? Then by answering those questions, you'll find yourself in one of two groups. Those who shrink back or those who stand firm. You'll either need then two remedies. Repentance, that means to turn around, I was going in the wrong direction on those issues, I need to come back this way. Or you'll need endurance if you're going in the right direction. 
to stay on the upward path of faith and obedience. It will not get easier in this world. God has called us to be a different people. So don't neglect this opportunity to draw near to God and to come clean. Fourth, to recognize Christ's presence within you, talk to God about everything. Last week again, we saw in God's omniscience that God knows everything. And therefore, you can pray about anything and ask him for help. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Pray. That's a great indicator of whether you're conscious of God's presence. The frequency of prayer. Pray continually. What? How can you? This used to bug me. When I was at University, Harry, this used to bug me. Because I like to take things at face value. How the heck can I do that? I've got an exam to study for, Lord. How can I pray in the middle of exams whilst I'm studying exams whilst I'm doing this? It just didn't make any sense. What he's actually talking about here is maintaining a continual conversation with God. Paul wasn't expecting people all the time to be on their knees with their eyes closed. That is not what this verse is saying. Actually, Paul was a very practical guy. He was very adamant that everybody had work to do. So get to it. Don't be lazy. Work hard. So he's not saying stick yourself in a monastery and do nothing. That's not what he's saying here. What he is doing, uh, he is doing, he's encouraging believers to have a prayerful attitude at all times, acknowledging our dependence upon God and realizing that his presence within us and help us to determine to obey him fully. Now then it will be natural to pray frequently when I know he's here. When somebody's in my car with me, I talk to them. When somebody's in my presence, I talk to them. I don't ignore them. It's a continual conversation with a companion who is always with me. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. Psalm 62 verse 9 says, Trust him at all times. Not just at Sunday at 9.30 and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Pour out your heart to him at all times. Now, some of you say, well, when I pray, sometimes I feel that my prayers bounce off the ceiling. Well, surprise, God is below the ceiling. He's actually in your heart. It doesn't need to go through the ceiling. Some people, when they used to come to church, they would lift their hands as if they were trying to drag down. Nothing wrong with lifting hands. But the problem was what's going on in their mind. They were thinking that God's out there. He's actually here. You can lift your hands and surrender, but you cannot pull down God from this, God's presence from the ceiling. Where is he? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. There's something funky about that thinking. When I come to church, I feel God's presence. What about tomorrow when you're driving to work? He's exactly the same there as he is here, as he is when you're on your knees. So you don't have to say these super pious prayers that blast off through the roof, through the stratosphere to the other side of the universe. A million light years away to God in heaven on his throne. He is right here. 
lastly, to recognize God's presence, you need to develop a habit of praise. Praise means to thank God for who he is and what he has done. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Praise and thanksgiving. Nothing will help you become more aware of God's presence in your life faster than developing a habit of praise. We're talking about entering into the sense of his presence through praise. And you can worship God. See, if you're driving down the road and you're singing some songs that we may be singing here on Sunday, you can sense God's presence. When you focus on him and lift his name up, you will sense his presence. As you lift him up, you'll find your heart is warm and drawn to him. And then something unusual happens. As it's drawn to him, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. But the converse is true. The reciprocal of that's true. The more we focus on the things of the world, the Lord's presence will grow strangely dim. What are you focusing on? If you can grasp what the scriptures are saying here, it will revolutionize your life. Because you'll become aware that God is always with you. And that will change your life. It will cheer you up. It will calm you down. It will help you out and it will see you through. So no matter what you find yourself going through this week, God will be with you, even in the holidays, even in the vacation, in a traffic jam. God is everywhere. So to those of you who this morning are tired or discouraged, or maybe you're frustrating or you're hurting or you're afraid, You're worried or sick or depressed. I want to say this to you. God is with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence here this morning. Lord, I know that you brought people here today and to listen online that... You are working in their lives. You know what they're going through. Would you help us all be more aware of your presence? Father, there are some here that, and listening, that haven't invited you into their lives at all yet. And perhaps today, you'd say in your heart, God, I want to know, know your presence in my life. Friend, he's been around you and knew about you before you were even born. You just need to tune into him. And if that's you, just say in your heart, God, I want to know your presence in my life. Help me live a life that's pleasing to you. And if you've never done so, why not invite Jesus Christ to come into your life and ask him to forgive you for your sin and ignoring him. And ask him to help you live a holy life, pleasing to him. And say, Jesus Christ, would you come into my life right now? Some of you listening to this need to slow down and be quiet. Take a deep breath and tell God exactly what's on your mind. Maybe even right now where you're seated.
then thank him in your heart. Thank him for all the things that he's done for you. That's praise. This week, when you're lonely, remember that he wants to be your companion and that he's there with you to cheer you up. Thank him for that. Thank him that he's promised to be with you when you go through deep waters, when you can't touch the ground, that he's going to be with you and he's going to give you confidence and stability and he will not forsake you. Thank him for the calm that he'll bring into your life. When the world seems a shamuzzle and everything's up in the air, at the home or in the office or on the job site. Thank him also that when you face temptation this next week, he will be there to help you out and there will be a way of escape. Friends, if you're discouraged and brokenhearted, God is with you and he loves you and he's going to see you through. Thank him for that. Father, we thank you for your eternal word, but it's so relevant to our lives today. Thank you that you're with us. Help us this next week to sense your presence. Thank you for the confidence and the joy and the comfort that gives us. In your precious and powerful name, amen.